Hey everyone, welcome to the Basically Bookish podcast. I'm Abby. And I'm Ashley. And we're going to be chatting all things bookish. This is episode 42 of the Basically Bookish podcast. And today we have a guest, Amanda Dykes, and she's coming on to talk about book research. So welcome. Thank you. Hi, everybody. It's so fun to be here. I feel like it's, I wanted to talk to you specifically about this because I think, well, first of all, we both love your books. You guys are so nice. (laughs) We could gush, but we only have like a limited amount of time. So that was- Oh my goodness. Um, Well, I'm very thankful for you both. So thank you for your kindness. (laughs) (laughs) I just see like when you post those snippets on social media about Um, some of the research that you get to do because of the topics that you're researching it's so interesting Um, and talking before like some of the most interesting conversations that we've had like through book club or whatever have been because you've shared some of those behind the scenes of like I got to go do this Um, yes it's been really fun you know sometimes it takes you unexpected places so yeah I'm, I'm excited to talk about it today So, okay, first of all, this is kind of a boring question, but I think it has to be asked. How many hours, how long does research for one of your books take? I'm sure it's a little different for each book, but um, I feel like it it has to be more than people think. (laughs) It's a lot. So, and I don't, I don't have an hours number for you. um, And I can't be trusted with numbers anyway, but um, (laughs) So I, I'm better with stories and anecdotes. So I'll tell you the story of, for example, the project I'm working on right now. I've been working for about a year and a half. And um, so I researched it through like audiobooks and reading books and articles and videos and documentaries, all these things, travel guides um, for a solid year before starting to write it. And then as I'm drafting a book, it's a continual process of research because something comes up I don't know the right word for something if it takes place in a different country or you know there's cultural traditions and historical norms that I don't really know about so it's like constantly checking um, whether it's the internet or books or whatever it might be um, the whole time of writing and editing and that takes so writing takes me about six months um six to nine months. These days it's about six months just because of deadlines. And then the editing is, you know, almost a year after that. So it's by the end, by the end of all that, it's like two and a half years of research. <laughs> when you Crazy. really hope you like the topic that you picked. Exactly. Yes. It's important to choose something that's interesting <laughs> or least interesting to you. <laughs> Otherwise it's like homework, like horrible homework. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So would you say that you spend more like this past book was not a split time but the first two were did you spend more time researching the historical or the contemporary because I feel like a lot of people would say historical when they talk about research 
but I feel like some of the topics you picked for the contemporary, at least in Set the Stars Alight, could have potentially been more time. I don't know. Yeah, so I, I didn't really curious. do myself any favors with that because it's dealing with like astrophysics. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not an astrophysicist. Um, and so I would say it's probably about the same. Also, because each of my books have been set in different places. Mm -hmm. And they're not always places that I'm able to travel to during the writing of that book. And so I want to make sure to, as best as I can, get that place right. And so sometimes research looks like just talking to people who have gone there or lived there or have lived there. And um, so that's very applicable to the contemporary as well. I'd say the historical is more, um, the historical research is more, not mentally draining, but it sometimes you're reading textbooks, you know, and that's not as fun as just talking to someone and asking what's it like living there. And so it's just different. It's diff probably the same amount, but just different. Interesting. Um, um, what's the craziest thing that you've uncovered while researching, whether it made it into the book or not? Um, this was oh Abby's goodness. question. I don't know why that's I didn't let question. you ask it, but I wrote them down like a long time ago. So I'm like, I don't know if you had your but yeah, Abby was like, I want to know what the craziest thing is. Oh my goodness. That's a very good question because there's, I'm constantly finding out amazing, new and startling things. Um, I feel like the, the book that I'm currently researching. You're going to tease us now and this isn't I am, fair. So I, no, I'm <laughs> going to, okay. I'll open up a little more about it. I haven't talked at all about it online at all because I'm still writing it. Yeah. So you guys will get like the, the scoop, the first, the first glimpse, the inside scoop. So, so here's the headline. It is set in Venice. Ooh. And so um, Venice is an extremely like storied, fabled, fascinating place with all of these traditions and superstitions and ceremonies and, um, a very secretive history so they have something called like the council of the ten where in the history they were kind of they don't have it anymore but they were sort of in charge of all these things in medicine sometimes they would discuss things that they couldn't even disclose so they would they would sign things um oh i can't remember the phrase they used but something <clears throat> basically protecting all the secrets they're talking about and um venice was very rumor fueled so, and you know, if you caught somebody or thought you caught somebody doing something they shouldn't be doing, there were these, I think, lion statues throughout the city with, I might be getting this wrong because there's so much history, there's so much history and research. We won't know. <laughs> Their mouths are, are the like male slot. So you could like report somebody by sticking a paper, reporting their deeds into the mouth of the lion. <laughs> so I... I know that that's not like one big, big reveal of uncovering, but just the whole experience of researching Venice has been an entirely different world. It's like a fairy tale. Yeah. It truly is like a <laughs> real fairy tale. You like fairy tales. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not like something that I've read too many things set in Venice. So that's really interesting. And I, like, I love little like history tidbits like that. I mean, I'm a history nerd. So. <laughs> You. <laughs> like anytime there's something like cool like that I get like super like I nerd out and get excited I'm like oh I know a weird history fact now 
I know it is a very, yeah, you would like, you would like researching Venice probably yourself too. Cause it's, that was just one tiny little nugget among like a thousand billion trillion nuggets. I told you I couldn't be trusted with numbers. <laughs> so, okay. This just, this question just popped into my head. Like you hit some little like Easter egg kind of tidbits and set the stars alight from whose waves. Did you do that in, um, yes so it was a little tricky because the timelines are so different so um figuring out how because world war one I, I don't know I, I imagine all these stories taking place in the same world but they're different times in history yeah. you know so just like in real life you discover unexpected connections and so um for example, yeah, there's a character in Set the Stars Light who was a very small side character in Whose Waves These Are, and he showed up, and that was kind of fun. There are a couple other things about like Dash being in space and all that, and the things that he saw in Maine. And so I thought, okay, there's not as much overlap because they don't have a contemporary timeline in Yours is the Night to kind of play with that. Mm -hmm. But you know, we are, we are deeply connected to history in ways we don't even know about. And so it was kind of fun to plant things. So at the end, there's something in the epilogue about where one of the characters ends up and who he ends up marrying. Um, and I'll just say that it's in England to kind of give you a clue. So that has, it's a very, very subtle Easter egg. You have to really kind of like maybe revisit set the stars light and see what some of the last names were to, to catch. And the name of the the bay or the place that it the story was set in England and then the other thing is the Vesset match company played yes. sort of heavily you into catch that one. so you catch that one? I, did. I got really excited I was like oh good it was so fun because I I had matches in the story and I thought wait a second I have matches in another story so my first instinct is now I have to change it. I can't have matches in two stories. My second instinct is, wait a second, I could play with this and have some fun and like wrap up this little gift for readers as a fun surprise. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it. not sure of myself, but I was like, I think, I think. Abby's really good at details where I am not. So like, sometimes I'll be like, do you think? And she's like, yeah, totally. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, you got it. <laughs> So now you're, you know, you're going to have to do this for every book. I mean, I know. And so now I'm kind of stumped <laughs> because now I'm hopping over to Venice. And the, so like, that's not even in the same, I mean, it's the same continent as the previous two, uh, but like different language, different culture, you know, however, the timeline overlaps with, with the historical timeline of set the stars like it's um, partially 1800s. So I could do something there. Maybe. Okay. So, um, do you, which you've already kind of answered, I, my question was, do you always visit the places that you set your books in? Or I guess I should rephrase it, like, is that kind of something that's on your bucket list of, like, to visit at some point the places sure. that you set your books in? Oh, for sure. I would love someday to go visit all of these places. I have not visited all of them. I've been to England, but it was many years ago. So I was drawing on kind of old knowledge, <laughs> old experiences first at the Stars of Light. Um, I haven't been to Maine. I haven't been to France, haven't been to Venice. 
Uh, however, what I found is even if I can't visit the actual place, you can still visit places that share something in common with the place where it's set. So for example, for Set the Stars Alight, I couldn't you know, hop on a plane and go over to the English Channel. It just it wasn't feasible for the season of life that I'm in. But um, I live within driving distance, a long driving distance, but still driving distance of the San Francisco Bay Area. And they have historical ships docked down by their piers and you can go visit it. And one of them is from a similar time period as what the Jubilee um, and the Avalon would have been. So we went and saw the ship and how life was it's like a museum it's like a floating museum very cool and went to sort of a sea cave down there too to get a feel for sea caves and what does it feel like in there what's the temperature like so i think sometimes it's easy to box ourselves in like okay i'm writing a story about a boat in the english channel and a sea cave so i need to go to the english channel and find a boat in a sea cave yeah <laughs> when really it's like okay mm, there's more wiggle room, wiggle room there. You know, there's other places that have boats and sea caves and uh, people are very happy and willing to talk about their experiences if they have been there and I haven't. So that's always a big asset too. So, so here's my thought. You need to, in a future date, plan a book tour. And by that, I mean, you plan a vacation for nerds like all of us around your book. And we will oh, all go and we will experience a sea cave. That would be amazing. Time. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that would be amazing. Definitely signing up for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know Julie Classen has done that in the past, like done tours to England. Yeah. And yeah. there's others who have done um, or and slash or are planning to. I know some are planning like a Scotland one. And yeah, a, I saw that. One. Yeah. So those are very exciting. <laughs> Not that I've been on one, but I I imagine they're <laughs> tremendously exciting. <laughs> I want to go see those luminescent lights in the water. Yes, yes. Um, and those are all over the world. So so maybe. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> I feel like if I didn't I thought, expect it, it would be really creepy though. Yeah, you'd be like, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Was that maybe something not you like? stumbled onto in research or did you know about it and plan to put it in like how did that get into the book I'm trying to remember where I first learned about it I think it's just one of those um research rabbit trails where I started yeah somehow I learned about the bioluminescence that happens all over the world at certain times of year um and just watching videos of it and hearing people talk about it I thought that's incredible and I thought I wish I could put that in a book but it probably doesn't happen up in Maine. You know, the waters are colder there. And so then I researched, like kind of crossing my fingers as I waited for the Google results to pop up. And it does sometimes happen up there. Um, it's just not as common, but it happens, I think often in warmer waters, it happens in the Pacific Northwest sometimes happens in, so Pacific Northwest is not super duper different from um, like the latitude of Maine. So that makes sense. But San Diego is really known for it. And then other places throughout like South America. And I think Japan, I saw as a, another popular one. So I just, I saw it and it captivated me. And I thought that has to go in, if it can possibly go in. <laughs> Make it work. Yeah. It was memorable because I still remember it. And I, oh, I'm so glad. Details, but it was memorable to me. Good. Um, Thank you. 
I'm trying to, do you have any other questions, Abby, on the research front? None that are like poppy. I mean, I, we could go down the rabbit trail of every detail about the research. So yeah. <laughs> well, one thing I'll say is sometimes research happens in ways you don't expect. Like I did one thing that was very cool that I got to do is go to the NASA rocket launch, mm -hmm. which, you know, research for set the stars alight in Dash's world. That was his, his world. Um, and the way that happened was I got on the NASA website I spent a lot of time on the NASA website <laughs> during the writing of that book. And one of the things I was doing, I get these crazy ideas, um, depending on what mode I was in, what mode I'm in. And at that time I was preparing for book launch. And I thought, I wonder if it's possible in any way to get this book into the hands of any astronauts, <laughs> which is kind of a crazy idea. And I don't even know if they'd be interested anyway, but like, what if one of them took it up to the space station? How cool would that be? I have no um, really hope of that ever happening, but... <laughs> Well, while I was researching, trying to find that out, I saw something on the NASA website called NASA Socials, where you can apply to go to these different NASA events. And some of them are launches and some of them are meetings and just lots of different things. And if you, if they accept you for, they choose a panel of people to come. And if you're among those people, you, your end of the deal is you use your platform to share about what NASA is doing. It's very cool just to kind of yeah. um, spread their reach to people who maybe don't know NASA is doing all this cool stuff. And so I applied on a whim and I thought it's never gonna happen. We're not gonna go see a rocket launch. And then the date that I was supposed to find out came and went and didn't hear anything and thought, okay, well, that's that's that it didn't happen. And I think the email went out and said, congratulations. So we hopped on a plane like a week later, <laughs> it was crazy, or maybe two weeks later, it was very fast whirlwind um, kind of a thing, flew across the country to Virginia and the nearest airport was Washington DC and to the part of Virginia where we were going. And that stunned me because another place I had been really, really hoping to go was the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier because I had this story idea around the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. And I really like had this almost conviction that I don't want to write that until I've been there and I hadn't been there but I, how can I get there it's across the country yeah. so random you know through this how can I get my book into the hands of astronauts <laughs> lands me on a plane going to see a rocket launch which deposits me at the tomb of the unknown soldier to see to get to witness you know the changing of the guard and the symbolism there and of course out of that grew the book that's releasing now which is yours is the night so it's just like this big web you never know where it's going to take you and what's going to happen and the rocket launch was amazing by the way <laughs> <laughs> you know just your average rocket launch <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> where were you like where where were you during the launch like how it okay so first we went the day before the launch they brought us in and had chartered a bus and took us like behind the behind the security lines we had to get off the bus and get you know have the dogs check out our luggage and all the security stuff and we got to tour the facility where the rocket launches from and like see the rocket being prepared we couldn't go to the launch pad because that's too like high security but we were yards away from it and then we went into the warehouse where they were preparing the next rocket which was going to go up a few months later and it was identical so we got to be like I could have reached out and touched it um is huge it's amazing and so that was very cool so we, they toured us through that they toured us through some other rocket factories and other various amazing nasa things 
um, a balloon weather balloon facility, which kind of played into my interest in balloons, which which appeared in Yours is the Night too. Um, and then the next day, they were going to have us go to a media press room to see, and we got to go to the press conferences and all of that and hear from the astronauts. So they're gonna have us go to this viewing room to see the rocket launch. However, my family was with me. They couldn't come to all the behind the scenes NASA stuff, but they were gonna see the launch. And I just like, the night before, I just thought we're never gonna come back again. This is never gonna happen again. And I really want to see this with my family. So I asked them, is it okay? I did a lot of research, like how close can we get um, these public viewing areas? What are the best places to see them? We found this little kind of beach off of a bridge between uh, Chicoteague Island and the mainland. It was called the Wallops Island facilities where they were launching it from. And it was just as close as the media press room would have been to the actual launch site. So I wasn't gaining or losing any yeah. perspective, but I was gaining the experience of sharing it with my family. So that was very, very cool. And so it was just kind of in this little bay, this little bridge between you know, the mainland and the island that we watched a rocket launch into space. And it was amazing. It's so fun. It was very cool. So your book, you're, you're ready to release. It'll be out by the time this airs next week. Um, Yay. the night it's coming out yes. Tuesday, right? Tuesday. Yes, Tuesday's the day. It was so good. Oh, oh thank you. You finished already? You're fast. <laughs> I only tried like once. <laughs> I tried at the end. So thanks for that. Uh, sure, anytime. <laughs> but it wasn't. I, I live it, to serve. <laughs> it wasn't as dehydrating as his waves. So, okay, good to know. <laughs> It was like, through half of the box of tissues, not the whole box. Yeah, like moving emotional tears, not like gut wrenching. I can't move on with my life tears. So I'm yes. good with that. Okay, good. Yeah. That sounds like a healthy balance. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> Every now and then you need a good cry, I think. So I agree. I was saving up for your next release and then I get it out of my system. <laughs> well, I'm glad to share this meaningful relationship with you in that way. <laughs> 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 um okay I really love the cover uh it was a little different than your last covers but I love the colors are really eye-catching and it just kind of pops so I love the, co the colors too and actually it went through as you know covers kind of go through drafts just like the stories do and so um I'm I'm wondering if they're going to do a cover video Bethany House sometimes does those videos yeah. where they show what the different um options were on the table. I'd be very curious to see what the other ones were. I like what they ended up with. The first version, they, they chose that one and the first version of it didn't have the fireflies or the compass. So those were added in later just to kind of give like a little element of story on there and some light. And so I love what they did to pull it all together. It looks, you know, I agree with what you said, very eye-catching and the designer is very talented. So I really appreciate their work. I didn't really notice the compass until I went to take a picture of it uh a couple days ago uh, because I don't know I've said I'm not a detail person but then I was like <laughs> oh my gosh this is so cool <laughs> well we were kind of thinking of you know looking at it next to the other two covers of whose ways these are which has the lantern and 
um, Set the Stars Alight, which has a ship in the background. So you both had just a small little like allusion to something from the story. Yeah. And so that's kind of where the compass came from to try and get that on this cover as well. Good call. I yeah. like it. <laughs> You've definitely like won the like cover lottery. Like they've all been so amazing. <laughs> I love it. I covers are I love covers. Like all those Bethany House videos they do, I love them. Who no matter who the author is, and they're all great authors. I'm just fascinated by the whole process and how the designers do what they do and how it ties into the story. It's yeah. really amazing. I really think that them doing those videos has been good for cover snobs like myself because even if it's a cover I'm like I don't love that hearing their thoughts on why they chose it makes even if it's not my taste like it validates their decision to pick it over something else when I hear I agree yeah it's really interesting to kind of hear the story behind the decision yeah it's nice okay I have some get to know you questions that we always do at the end of our episode yes um they're very random and I wrote them down a long time ago. So who knows what they are? <laughs> okay. This will um, be fun. If you had to grow something, would it be vegetables or flowers? Flowers. I mean, I know the practical answer is vegetables. I mean, you <laughs> grow vegetables, but I'm not very good at it. And flowers are just so beautiful. So the whimsical part of me says flowers. <laughs> Abby? Yeah, I'd say flowers too. Less whimsical part of me, more low maintenance. I don't like to garden part of me. <laughs> point what I would choose I'm not good at either of these I mean if I was guaranteed that they would grow I would say vegetables but that's been proven not to be the case but I also flowers I have some in my flower bed that like I just planted them once and they keep coming back that's pretty great I don't do anything to them so that's amazing I think I would pick vegetables if it was a guarantee there really is nothing like farm fresh vegetables. Like there really is a big difference in the taste. So that's, that's a good, that's a good call. I needed my gardening reins over to JJ and he is growing all the things and putting me to shame. And so I'm like, <laughs> it's great, but there's a little part of me that's like, why are you so successful? Because <laughs> I was a failure. <laughs> okay. Would you rather cook or bake? Bake. It's, I, I'm not, cooking is like a science and I would like to get better at it, but baking is, I think, easier and it fills the house with a fragrance and makes you think you know what you're doing, even if you don't. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, I mean, pretty much all the same, answer, like baking for all the same reasons. <laughs> I feel like it's like cooking, there's so much like wiggle room, like you can yeah. like, but like baking, just follow the recipe precisely right. and it'll turn out so yeah, yeah. <laughs> um I think I would also say bake just because I feel like I enjoy it more it's fun usually the baking turns out sometimes the cooking you just never know you never know yeah okay what is one scent that you love a scent yeah um I love the smell of rain. And I, I think that from what I hear, our, I live in kind of a high desert mountainous area and it doesn't rain a ton here. So when it does, it's like it brings everything to life. It's, it smells amazing. And I know that's different from like city rain, which I think is still pretty, but just has a different smell to it. Um, and I also love the smell of 
fresh lavender. It's amazing. Yeah. I think my favorite just generalized overall, you can never go wrong scent is apple. Like Ooh, yeah. just like you you can bake it and it smells good. It smells good, like mixed with a variety of things for like candles and stuff. So mm -hmm. I'd probably say apple's like the top one. Good one. I was I I was thinking maybe citrus. I feel like it smells good if you're cooking with it. I wouldn't mind wearing it as a lotion. I wouldn't mind it as a candle. Like it smells clean. So like if you smell it in the kitchen, like it kind of so maybe like lemon or some kind of citrus. And it smells so happy too. Yeah, you know, it's like bright. a cheerful it's scent. Just yeah. Bright and yeah. Yeah. So maybe some kind of citrus or lemon. Okay, we're gonna flip that. A scent that you hate. Um why well, can't I think of an answer for this? I'd probably tell you Abby's right off. <laughs> I, I can't think of this. Can someone else go first? Sure. <laughs> okay. I don't like like any floral scent pretty much rose is the worst <laughs> really I was gonna but say rose. rose she hates rose rose is the worst <laughs> but it's, floral's a very hard thing for me to actually enjoy so does that include flowers themselves like no like flowers? No flowers I don't mind but I agree that like the like the sort of bottled floral scents are yeah. really tricky to get to smell like not heavy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I feel like I'm very opinionated. So like picking one is more the problem. <laughs> um gosh, I don't like the smell of bleach. Oh yeah. Like I think when I was in college, I worked in a daycare and they used to make us dip all the cups in bleach water back before that was like not okay to do. <laughs> and my hands smelled like bleach every day because we were sterilizing, sterilizing cups. <laughs> for yeah. the kids. And so I just had a very strong distaste for the smell of bleach. I could understand that. There's, there's a, some kind of flower that has like a really, is it paper whites? It has like a very strange, they're really pretty, like delicate little white flowers. And you think, oh, that's going to smell pretty and delicate because that's how it looks. But then you smell it and it kind of smells like death. <laughs> like it just smells awful. We have trees I guess that I would say like that. They're terrible. Yeah. I don't know if they're dogwoods or something like that, but like they bloom in the spring and I literally like close my nose and gag every time my mom has one in her front yard and I'm like, no, make it stop. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I'm trying to read this question. <laughs> oh, never wear a hat or never wear your hair in a ponytail again. I have to choose one of those. Mm -hmm. Um, probably Okay, but this is tricky because what I like to do is do a baseball cap with my hair in a ponytail with a loop in the back. <laughs> so where does that fall? Is there a loophole? I don't know. See, this is why it's hard because like this is yeah. our go-to. Like we're very much like I didn't wash my hair today. I'm going to put a hat on in a ponytail. Yeah, me too. I'm, I, I go to a hat more often than I go to a ponytail for fixes like that. So I guess I would say I would never, if I had to choose never to do one of those things again, probably ponytail. 
Mm. I'd go never go hat just because I always have my hair in a ponytail unless it's like the weekend because I work with kids so I have to like if your hair is in your face it's just a hot mess also they pull oh, the they hair. pull so, yeah oh yeah <laughs> keep it out of the reach of children oh, I don't want to choose I feel like the hat like for people with thin fine hair that's prone to look greasy it saves you Whereas the ponytail, you can still see some of that, but I always have my hair pulled back. I guess I'm going to have to go like ponytail because no, I, I would say hat because I need the ponytail. Yeah, that's a tough question. I don't like it. I shouldn't have written it down. <laughs> that's a bad choice. <laughs> okay, current read or last book you read or both. I just finished listening on audiobook to Charles Martin's new book. I heard um, that's good. The Letter Keeper. It was good. Don't read it without reading the one that came before because it's a, it's his first series. He's always done standalones, and it was really good. It was very well done. He had some fun Easter eggs in there to some of at least one that I caught of his other books. Like it was really fun. He kind of made a previous book of his like appear in this book as a book somebody came and gave another character I was like I don't know if that's product placement or just really clever fun easter egg planting <laughs> but I, I enjoyed it it was very good never read one of his um my current read is river river bend gap by Denise Hunter so too early to tell what my opinion of it is. The plot line has me a little worried because it's got like the whole like falling for someone while they're in a different relationship trope, which is that's tricky. Tricky. So far, so good. But like, it's always like, is it going to cross the line? Is it going to like right. do it properly? So yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I am currently reading uh, "To Right a Wrong" by Jen Toronto. And it's, it's very slow going. I don't know what the deal is. Usually her books don't take me this long to get through, but I think the Olympics have slowed my progress considerably um, because I'm like watching in between swim meets and things. And <laughs> well, yeah, I think there's, there's that. And also I will say, I don't know, I can't speak for Jen, um, but all the books coming out right now this summer are all of the books that were written during lockdown and mm -hmm. quarantine. So, you know, the authors are all dealing with, so I wrote Yours is the Night during that time. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I imagine, I just, all the books coming out right now, I'm thinking there's like a story behind every single one of these stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I bet. So that's what I'm currently working on. And cool. I'm hoping to finish it this weekend and see what else is around the corner. Nice. <laughs> Um, well, our time is just about up. So thank you so much for coming on and chatting thank with you us. for having me. All of it your was really research. fun. It's so interesting. Um, I, I mean, I selfishly can't wait for the next book, even though the thank newest you. book isn't out yet. But <laughs> already <laughs> counting down. Oh, you guys are the best. Thank you All so right. much. This is really fun to talk with you. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find us on Instagram at basically bookish podcast. Hope you have a great day and we'll chat with you next time. Bye.